Buffalo Sabres commit to another piece of their young core. The Ottawa Senators are trying to find a goalie that's healthy. Uh, same with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Jacob Chikrin still finding a new home, or trying to. Um, it appears he is getting closer. Uh, and Vladimir Tarasenko has found a new home after a major, major trade. Episode 352 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Starting off in Buffalo, New York, where Dylan Cousins, Brett, got paid. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting move here. But yeah, Dylan Cousins gets an extension. Seven years, $7.1 million. Um, he, uh, that's slightly less than Tage Thompson's new contract next year. Um, and so, so like that's something that Buffalo both has to deal with. What's, what's interesting about Buffalo, and I think we talked about this back when Tage signed his extension, was that like, you know, they have a habit or the, they have a habit of extending players with long term. Um, like Jeff Skinner, it's an example of that. Um, although Alex Tuck, I guess, because they traded for him, I don't think they they made that contract to begin with. But he's another one who's on long term. Um, but it's just or like Matthias Samuelson was another one that happened this year. Um, it's just interesting. But like you know, for Tate Thompson, obviously it's been worth it so far. Like like even if because he's having a career year so far. But even if he isn't. Um, you know, even next year, if he keeps up this pace, he's going to definitely be worth that contract. Uh, Dylan Cousins, like, you know, I think when you're thinking of the Sabres this year, you're thinking of how awesome Rasmus Dahlin is and how awesome Tage Thompson is, as you should. But um, Dylan Cousins is not doing so badly either. Uh, He has 45 points in 51 games. He's also 22 years old, whereas Tage is 25 years old, so he's still pretty young. Um, so having said all the like the long-term contracts that the Sabres had, and that was a big reason why Jason Botterill, the previous GM, was fired, I, I don't hate this deal, because I think Dylan Cousins is a decent player, and I think it could... Uh, it could be like he has more to prove and he has more in his tool shed, I guess. Is that the is that the phrase? Um, toolbox, but toolbox, close enough, yeah. yeah. <laughs> tool shed. Um, and um, and uh, yeah, no, so so I think this is like a this is a good move for for the the Sabres here. I I really like it. Yeah, so uh, taking a look at the uh, contract breakdown, um, it's a seven-year by $7.1 million deal. There is a no-trade list, but it's a five-team no-trade list, and it doesn't start until year five of the deal, and it goes into year six and year seven as well. So the no-trade protection is very limited there. Um, in terms of total salary, similar to what Lou Lamorello did with Bo Horvat, it's $7.1 million across the board every single year. Uh, the only signing bonus is a $2 million signing bonus in year one, and the rest is all base salary. Um, not that it matters in the grand scheme of things. 
When I look at Dylan Cousins, um, he's getting more chances to excel in high leverage situations. The ice time has steadily gone up since his rookie year, in which he played 41 games. His average ice time was 14.21. Last year it went up to 15.54. This year it's up to 16.38. But the biggest jump is the power plate time. A minute 43 is rookie year. Minute 56 last year. 3.01 per game this season. Gotta love that. Face-offs, he's also getting more experience in that department. He had 383 face-off wins last year, already at 365 this year, and he's played in 51 games and counting compared to 79 last year. And his face-off percentage is actually the highest it's ever been at 49.3%. As the Sabres get better, I would imagine that face-off percentage is going to go up, you would hope. Uh, power play points, like I said, the power play time has gone up, which means power play points, he's going to reap the rewards there. Not so much on the power play goals, he has three of those, but he has 15 power play points. Uh, his shooting percentage um, has gone up every year, 6.5 as a rookie, 8.1 last year, up to a whopping 14.1% this year, 18 goals on 128 shots. Last year, uh, his career high for shots in this season was 160. He's probably going to surpass that. Uh, in terms of an 82-game pace, 26 his rookie year, 39 his uh, second year last year, and an 82-game pace this year, it's 72, which, again, you're looking at a young guy that's already a 70-plus point projection. Uh, this year down the road, that's pretty effective. And a lot of people thought when Tage Thompson signed that contract, and I think Brett was one of the skeptics, and I was mm. cautiously optimistic, not skeptical, but cautiously optimistic, yep. that it could work out for Buffalo. Um, I think this could be another one of those deals where like, it might seem like a bit of a risk now, but I think down the line it's going to look like one of the biggest bargains in NHL history. And the reason I say that is because Dylan Cousins isn't the only one breaking out of his shell and just exploding. Rasmus yep. Dahlin, look at his numbers this year. Look at what he started to do last season. He's probably going to be a consistent 50 to 60 point producer on that Sabres team. And his contract expires after next season. Yep. So if I'm the Buffalo Sabres heading into this offseason, do I do what Ottawa did with Tim Stutzla before he really breaks out and give him that massive payday then? Uh, knowing that the best is yet to come for Rasmus Dahlin, and you need cap space to do that. Same with Owen Power, who's going to need a new contract soon. Um, if he breaks out too, then all of a sudden you have to pay him. So $7.1 million may seem like a bargain, but it's a necessary bargain for the Buffalo Sabres when you consider the guys that they have under contract, the guys that they'll have to renew contracts to down the road, uh, like a Victor Olsson, you look at Alex Tuck, who has played a bit of time with Dylan Cousins last year. Necessarily hasn't been a frequent linemate of Dylan Cousins. But in the first quarter um, of this season and in the third quarter to date of this season, uh, Dylan Cousins and Alex Tuck have been uh, pretty common linemates. Uh, Alex Tuck has had a career year himself as yeah. well. So there's a lot to look forward to if you're a Sabres fan. Um, and I really like how their team is coming along together. I think Don Granato behind the bench is doing an amazing, amazing job. And Kevin Adams, to his credit, I think he's making the most out of what seemed to be a tough situation about a year and a half ago. Uh, but this team still has a long ways to go. They still have to add some pieces. And that cap space is going to be their weapon, especially as Kyle Oposo's 
six plus million dollar cap hit comes off the books this year they'll have a bit more cap space to spend on other assets but also to keep their own players and their goaltending is coming around as well so um i i think when you look at it in a nutshell it's a good contract for dylan cousins and a good contract for the team yeah, the, so the reason why I was skeptical of Tage Thompson was that he pretty much had one good year um, okay. uh, before he signed this contract, and this was before his um, amazing season so far this year. And but, you could argue the same thing with Dylan yeah. Cousins this year, too. This is definitely but, his best year by far. Well, yeah, true, but I was going to say that, like, the other, like, I feel differently about Cousins because one, because it's like, he didn't like, yeah, I'm just looking at his stats here. It's like, yeah, he had a disappointing rookie season, 13 points in 41 games. But the second year he had 38 points in 79 games. That's not terrible. I mean, obviously that's something that you want more, like you want more out of like a 20 year old kind of, I guess. But like, you know, you have to consider the fact that the Sabres have been terrible since he's been on the team other than this year. Um, and yeah, so he's having a good year and I, I, I think it's like more that, like, I, I guess I was just skeptical of Tage Thompson being like, he's having one good year out of many bad years, uh, versus like Dylan Cousins, who's like, you can see the progression, um, throughout the season. Girl. So it's like, I mean, yeah. And I, I can agree that it's like literally the same situation, but I, I think I can give some leeway, um, to to cousins because it's like he's younger he has more draft pedigree he's been good like he was good in the whl um i do remember i think it was his rookie season it might have been last year but um there was like a time when he was the like he was noted as the only one who was like fighting um and like the only one who noticeably cared on the ice um, and that was like yep. a telltale sign of that. And I was just like, okay, so that shows more about his character than, than anything. It's like, even if he's not scoring and not doing anything, he's at least contributing to the team and showing that he's like, you know, he's doing something and he's like, he's just being a leader type, type of player. So it's like, all right, I kind of like, yeah, it might be expensive, especially if he doesn't, you know, if he, if this is his best year, uh, by the end of this career, but I don't think this is his going to be his best year of his career. So um, I, I I think there there is more potential with Dylan Cousins than uh, than we're seeing right now. But yeah, obviously right now he's having a really really good year. Um, well, yeah, and 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 the and the type of fight that type of spunk I yeah. think is kind of instilled in him just True. because of the journey it took to get here. Yeah, like coming up from the Yukon, the Northwest Territories, like you you have to uh, probably fight harder than most just to get recognized True. to really put your stamp uh into the lineup that you're trying to make well i mean he was i the... think it was the case uh, in the whl it's the case here right um and, and especially on a struggling sabers team like you want to see guys that aren't going to give up when you yeah. know it seems like you're probably going to lose every single night yeah and and i think that character is definitely going to keep shining through the other thing i mentioned the uh limates part it's been kind of like a, a shuffling of yep. sorts uh, for Dylan Cousins. I noticed a lot of J.J. Paterka in the first yep. quarter. Same with uh, Alex Tuck, as I mentioned before. But he's also paired with Vinny Hinnestrosa and Jeff Skinner at times. In the second quarter, he spent time with Jack Quinn and J.J. Paterka. Also saw a bit of Olofsson and Middlestat. At times, he was with Kalik Poso and Zemgis Gergensens. 
uh, more of Paterka and Quinn in the early stages of quarter three, and Estroza and Asplund as well, and then you have Alex Tuck and Jeff Skinner. So he hasn't really had that consistent line mate, and yep. um, for the most good. part, it hasn't stopped him. He yep. still continues to put up points. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, just to, I mean, we, we should go on, but um, he was a seventh overall pick um, in the first round when he was drafted. So it's not necessarily mm-hmm. that he's had a chip in, on his shoulder the entire time. But yeah, I, I do understand that. I think like even even still, like it is even more remarkable. Like even when you are a top 10 pick um, in the draft, that doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be a successful NHLer. Um, but that that just shows that like okay, he has more intangibles than just scoring and uh, defense exactly. or whatever. Yeah. And the intangibles for yeah. some for some players that don't have that scoring touch is yep. what keeps him in the game long enough being a team guy like look at Dominic Moore how many years he was able to get out yep. of just being a hard worker yep even if that offense drives up for Dylan Cousins if he's working hard and he gives a damn yep. there will be teams eager to uh, jump at the chance to get him so yep. and the fact that he's scoring at this rate uh, definitely helps his cause a lot well I mean it, it like Dominic like, he has more talent than Dominic Moore has, but yes, I do agree with, with what you're saying, yeah. of course. Um, I, I was more of a character tangent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, speaking of the 2019 draft, uh, the first overall pick is injured again, Jack Hughes. Um, he, uh, he I, I guess, also, he's having a career year, which is impressive because last year he was also having a career year. Uh, but, um, but yeah, he, he keeps getting better. Uh, 67 points in 50 games. Um, it looks like it's a, it says it's an upper body issue. It looks like he's day to day, but he has missed the last three games. It looks like he's going to miss tomorrow's game as well. Um, so, um, so yeah, it seems to be like, I know he, this is his fourth year in the league, but um, it seems to be a, like a prolonging issue with him right now where uh, he, he can never be healthy for a full season just yet but like he he's always like he's been he's been really good this year 67 points in 50 games as opposed to last year yeah he had more than a point per game uh, last year as well but he had he was minus 16 I know I hate plus minus but this this time it's a really like a strong indicator of how much he's improved um so he had a minus 16 last year uh with 56 points in 49 games this year he's played 50 games and he's already beat that record, that point record in 67 games, uh, 67 points in 50 games. And uh, he has 15 plus minus. I mean, part of that is also because the team is better, uh, but he's a big part of why that team is better. He also has 29 even strength goals out of 35 goals. Um, so, yeah, he, he already had 35 goals in 50 games that's that's very impressive and he he's already beat his career high which was 26 so um so yeah it's it's more just like i'm trying to figure out like you know i just want to see this guy play a full 82 games um and you know hopefully it's just a day-to-day thing and it looks like the devils will probably make the playoffs but um but yeah we'll we'll see how he does in the playoffs too but um, but it is kind of sad because it seems like he always gets injuries early on in his career. 
175, not exactly a big frame. That's like that's true. Yeah. the same the same weight as Ken Johnson. But that makes it even more impressive that he's he's having a career year too. But yeah. Yeah. Well, he's top five in shots on goal, thirty five goals in fifty games. He kind of like Kirill Kaprizov in a way where it's like. Yeah, he's a good playmaker, but he can score a lot yeah. of goals as well. Yeah. And he's averaging over 20 minutes a night. The good news is for the Devils, you have Jesper Bratt. This is a good time for him to really dictate the pace offensively, and they've got a lot of other young talent as well. And I would assume the Devils are probably going to make a deadline splash, so at some point they're going to get another big name in the fold, you would think. Um, for the Devils, uh, I know if, at this rate, you know you're going to make the playoffs, just make sure that he's healthy and ready to go for when it really comes down to it. The games, every game is huge. Playoff time is what the fans have been waiting for for so long. They need Jack Hughes ready to go for that. So even if it's a week-to-week thing, which I've been hearing, um, I don't care if he doesn't play another game in the rest of the regular season. You make sure he's ready for the playoffs and he's healthy and he's ready to go. Yeah, I mean, I, I do wonder if the de- like this does hurt the Devils' chances in making the playoffs because the I mean well, it might hurt their seating, yeah. but I mean at this rate, the Devils are probably going to face what like the Rangers. Yeah. Like, like, find me a fan that doesn't want to see that matchup. Like, no, no, that's fair. I guess Rangers I... and the Devils in the playoffs, in terms of a meaningful series, we've seen some classics from those two teams. Yeah. Uh, we could be in for another one at this rate. Yeah, no, fair. I guess I'm just thinking that, like, you have the Hurricanes in the division. They're obviously really good. The Rangers, they just got Tarasenko, which we're about to talk about. Bo Horvat's also in the division with the Islanders. You never know with the Penguins and the Capitals. So it's like, you know, like, and and a big reason why the Devils are even at the spot that they are at right now, it's like because of Jack Hughes as well. Like, you know, obviously they have other good players on the team too, but um, Jack Hughes is a big part of that. So it's more of like just wondering, it's like, you know, if, if Jack Hughes is out for long, there it's a potential that the Devils might might not make it uh, if like yeah Mika, or Mika, or or to define their season Brad. they get stronger as a group and when he yep. comes back they they really are forced to be reckoned with true, true. so you never know i guess it depends yeah no fair enough i mean like you know i guess it depends on if he sure brad palat uh hamilton um i'm sure i'm missing some guys there but um like if those guys can step up but um yeah, so so it's 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 just not a guarantee, I guess. But uh, hopefully, it's not like he's not out for too long, like he was last year. Um, yeah, I'm not panicking yet. If I'm a Devils fan, fair, yeah. fair. Um, okay, so the um, so going to your Ottawa Senators here, um, Anton Forsberg is expected to require two to three months of recovery time after suffering MCF tears in both knees saturday yeah um, i i couldn't believe it when i was reading yeah, the tweet as well it's crazy so yeah this is according to bruce garyach um who's like the the ottawa uh senators yeah. beat reporter for the sun is that right um, yeah the ottawa sun post media yeah he's one yeah. of the many good beat writers yeah. also Ian mendez as well but uh yeah yeah in terms of inside scoops from the sense he's one of many guys on the scene to report it first yeah, I always, whenever I see, like, I feel like whenever I hear about Sen's news, it's always Bruce Garriock. Um, yeah. But, uh, and forgive me if I mispronounce your name, it might be Garriach. <laughs> I don't know. Garriach. No, no, you're correct. It's Garriach. Okay. Um, this is also, uh, Cam Talbot is also out. 
Um, he, uh, he had a lower body injury. We didn't report it, but, um, this happened. Oh, no, yeah. this happened pretty it, soon. It was against yeah. the Islanders. He left mid game. Yeah. Uh, this was, the. this was probably like a week before the all-star break, right, I right. think, or a week and a half before it. Yeah. So he should be coming up soon. Cause they say that his time yeah. is the next two weeks. In, and, in a couple of weeks, yeah. uh, they expect him to be back like two right. weeks around. Roughly. So, so that means Ottawa is, um, is relying on Mad Sogard um, and Kevin Mandelis, um, who are both yep. guys that they recently acquired through through the draft. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think you were telling me off air that you think this is this is like a sign that the Senators are done for the season, um, which I yeah I could see that because they're they have fifty five points right now. The Capitals, who are have the second wild card spot right now, have sixty two points. So that means that they are um, roughly like eh, I guess they're like seven points out of it. Um, and then yeah, they're not ca- catching Toronto, who has seventy two points. Um, so um, who has the third spot right now? But um, yeah, so um, in the Atlantic. Um, so yeah, I mean this is unfortunate, but. I am curious to see how uh, Mandalees and Sogard do. Uh, Mandalees uh, played last night in his first game. Um, he actually won. He beat the Islanders uh, 3-2 in overtime. Um, and he gave up two goals and had 46 saves. So, uh, yep. not doing too bad. But, um, but yeah, I'm just... I mean, I, I, I think it looks like Cam Talbot will be back pretty soon. But um, even still, it's like, okay, like let's just see what these young guys can do. Yeah, so for those who didn't see the replay, uh, bless your soul, uh, it's bad. Uh, so Anton Forsberg, it was just before an Oilers goal to make it 6-3. Uh, this was Saturday afternoon. Uh, first game back from the All-Star break, from their bye week. And I can't remember which Ottawa player it was, but it looks like he pushed Hyman into Forsberg, which this might – your pet peeve is playing through injury. My pet peeve is – Pushing players into your goalie. It never ends well. Stop doing it. And uh, Forsberg's outstretched leg gets the worst of it as Hyman falls on top of it. Wait, was it it to, like, preventing a goal from happening? Or... I, well, it was just to, like, get get their bodies out of the way to make sure, I guess, Forsberg could see the puck or whatever. Uh, but uh, that really does nothing if you're pushing it. the player onto your goalie. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's Specifically when your goalie is out has his outstretched leg and the player falls on top of said outstretched leg. It was his right leg. He had to be stretchered off. He was in obvious pain afterwards. Right. And then I found out, okay, well, his right leg's probably screwed. But his left leg also suffered MCL tears. It's like... Man, I, I'm just baffled that he doesn't need surgery. Right. It, it could have been so much worse. And it, frankly, at the end of the day, if he does get surgery, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but two to three month rehab is what we're looking at. Um, as you mentioned, Cam Talbot's already out. Matt Sogard is uh, the supposed goalie of the future for the Sens. Even back when they had Anton Forsberg, or uh, not Anton Forsberg, Philip Gustafson and Joey Decord in the system. A lot of people thought that Sogard could be the guy, and why not? He's 6'8", he's athletic. Uh, If you look at goalies like Vasilevsky, I mean, if you're that big and you're that athletic, uh, you've got quite the future ahead of you. The thing is, uh, Sogard 
has had some issues with injuries, which is, of course, going to be the looming cloud with any big goalie. Just ask Ben Bishop. Um, but I just don't know if Sogard is NHL ready. To his credit, uh, the Sens were outplayed heavily by the Calgary Flames in terms of shot attempts, in terms of shots on goal after 40 minutes of play. Calgary was clearly the better team, and um, Sogard kept them in it. It was a 3-1 hockey game with about uh, just under three minutes left. Ottawa scores twice to tie it and then come back and win it in overtime, a four-point night for Stusla, a very character win by Ottawa standards. And thanks to Sogard's performance, they were able to hang around in the game and come back and win that game. And again, Mandalese stops 46 of 48 the very next night in Long Island, and they're able to get the job done and win two in a row, six of seven, or at least putting themselves in the playoff race. They need to work as if they have a shot at making the playoffs just to get the culture in place for future playoff runs. But is their season over? Probably. And I think they should probably get a short-term option in net to get the get the team through the rest of the year. Cam Talbot can't do it all by himself. And I also think both Sogard and Mandley's aren't NHL ready yet. It's good to see them in NHL games and see what they can potentially do. But am I confident with riding out those guys for the rest of the season, potentially risking their development? It's not worth the risk, and I think Ottawa's better off like getting a waiver claim on a goalie or making a short-term trade for you know a guy like Anti yeah. Ranta, perhaps that's uh, going to be a free agent, and you can decide to do with with him whatever at the end of the year. But uh, I I don't feel confident riding one of the younger goalies uh, as the backup for the rest of the year. I think it's Talbot and another veteran at this point. Yeah, I guess that's, that's uh, as long as as long as they keep fighting and clawing their way back, I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, like it, it was impressive last night. I know it's only one game, but Mandalis did have 46 uh, or 43 saves last night. Um, yeah, made some good ones. Win. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and you never know. Like, look at Chicago. I know that Chicago's in rebuild mode, and they don't necessarily need Jackson Stauber to do well, but he's been doing pretty well too. So it's like. Sometimes that's that's all you need. Like if you like you should know as well. Like a few seasons ago with the Hamburglar, um, yeah. no one had heard of him before he he went on that run. So it's like a similar thing could happen to either one of those guys. Um, so, yeah. but yeah, no, I, I I see what you mean. I think it's like okay, they'll need Cam Talbot back, but then even when Cam Talbot's healthy, it's like okay, what do you do with a backup because you need a another tandem in this league. So, so yeah, that's, that's definitely an issue for sure. Um, okay. Um, and then in other goalie injury news too, um, Logan Thompson, um, he's considered week to week with a lower body injury. Um, it's looking like he'll probably be back, um, by the end of this month, but it's still unclear when he's exactly going to be out. This is a huge loss cause he, um, he's having a pretty good season. Um, he was like a front runner for the rookie of the year because he's been a big reason why Vegas uh, was doing so well and one of the best teams in the league. Um, he had a 2.66 GAA and a save percentage of 914. So if he is out for long, I imagine Matty Beniers will end up winning the Calder Trophy. But he was giving them a, a good. He was giving Beniers a good run for his money. Although Beniers is also injured and. Um, 
has been on a cold streak as well. But um, anyways, um, we're getting sidetracked here. But yeah, Logan Thompson was a big reason why they were doing so successful. Of course, uh, Vegas also had Robin Leonard, who's uh, who's been injured all year, and he was supposed to be, or he, you know, they mentioned that. So now Vegas is relying on this guy named Eden Hill, who they acquired. Uh, just before the season started, um, <clears throat> Eden Hill hasn't been too bad, um, although not great. He has a save percentage of 909 um, and a GAA of 2.55. He has he's 12 five and one <clears throat> so far um, in 21 games. Excuse me, um, but um, <clears throat> you know he he kind of um, he kind of faltered last year when he was playing for the Sharks and he had. Um, he had a 906 save percentage and a GAA of 2.66 last year in 25 games for the Sharks. Um, so I am curious to see how he does when he's given more games to prepare himself. Um, but yeah, he, he seems to, he seems to be the guy now. They also have Laurent Boursois, um in their system as well. Um, I know that he was in the AHL for some time, but um, but because because Aiden Hill was doing so well. Um, uh, but, um, but yeah, he, uh, he hasn't played for Vegas in a long time. So, um, and, and last year he didn't have great stats. I didn't realize this. He had a save percentage of 895 last year and a 2.9 GAA, um, in 24 games. So, uh, maybe that's not someone you necessarily rely on, but, um, unlike Ottawa, Vegas is kind of in a good position for the playoffs. Um, so they can, like, obviously you don't want Logan Thompson out for a long, long time, but, um, but they're, they're kind of in good positions. I feel like, um, compared to Ottawa senators who are in, uh, in trouble, but, um, yeah, I do kind of wonder now if like maybe Vegas or Ottawa go out and get an anti-ranta type player or another goalie that's, um, that's, um, that could be helpful for, for them, um, in this, uh, in this stretch, but yeah, um, it, it'll just, it'll definitely be interesting to see how Vegas does without Logan Thompson. Cause again, like Jack Hughes, he was a big reason why Vegas was doing so well. Well, not, not only that, but Mark Stone having his back surgery yeah. also doesn't help that's their true. cause. And that's a big loss too. The other thing is Pacific division is so freaking tight. Um, I realized that Vegas is first place in their division. Um, their ninth place in the league was 68 points, 32, 18, and four record in 54 games, which again is pretty good. The Kings are right behind them, one point back. Uh, although they've played one more game, and for whatever reason, their goals against is still in the negatives, yeah. or their goal differential is still in the negatives. Uh, Seattle is one point behind them. They play the same amount of games as Vegas. They also have 30 wins. And don't look now, but the Edmonton Oilers are red hot. Uh, so. That's four teams bunched up together, separated by just four. Uh, se- sorry, separated by just three points. One from four in the Pacific's three-point difference. Um, so while the Vegas Golden Knights are first for now, um, that could change in a couple of weeks. So um, March third, I'm really interested to see what Vegas does in that. How far away Logan Thompson is from returning, because that will definitely. Uh, well, I wouldn't say definitely because Vegas is such a wild card. I'm not sure what they're going to yeah. do at the deadline anyway. Um, maybe they're in on the Patrick Kane sweepstakes, Timo Meyer sweepstakes. I've also heard that they might be interested in 
uh, Timo Meyer, according to Kevin Weeks. And, you know, given the disloyalty to cap numbers, it wouldn't shock me if they if they got, uh, you know, anyone really it wouldn't shock me if they got Eric Carlson, really, um, even though that's very unrealistic. But still, um, I, I think um, I think it's going to depend on what happens the next couple of weeks if Aiden Hill can hold his own. And they can't really wait too long to make a move if they start to sputter. So, yeah, uh, yeah definitely watch the Vegas Golden Knights heading into March 3rd because they're an interesting team. Yeah, that's also a good point. We I don't think we covered this last week, but yeah, Mark Stone, is. it seems like he's out for long. So, yeah, that's a good point. Vegas well, might be At least be in until the again. start of the playoffs, which yeah. means they're probably going to pull some LTIR crap like they've done in the past. Yeah, but it didn't work last time, so I don't know. It, <laughs> they're, they're definitely in a different situation. Yeah, maybe they'll make year, the playoffs but, this time as yeah. opposed to last time. Right, right. It's just um, we'll, we'll see. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and then a quick mention because – on Saturday, uh, Ch- Jacob Chikrin was uh, healthy scratched, and it looked like, <clears throat> and they said, which I've never seen a team do this before, maybe they have, I just don't remember, but um, they said that he was healthy scratched for trade-related reasons, so that like meant that like a trade was imminent. So it was exciting because uh, ch- ch- you know the Ch- Chikrin trade rumors have been going on for, it seems like, it feels like forever. Um, but uh, but yeah, especially now because he had requested a trade, and you know the Arizona is not that great right now. Um, and we talked about him last week, but um, but yeah, he uh, so he he's been healthy scratch. But then uh, it looked like he was going to go to the Kings, but then there was some type of issue where like the Kings needed to like there was some issue according to Friedman. I forget like they didn't mention the player, but some player needed to be traded or dealt with or figured out and the coyotes were like wait a second no or like they kind that of like one you know, contract is yeah. what stops this whole deal like yeah, are yeah. you kidding me which is yeah it's just kind of crazy that it's like a player that doesn't actually have anything to do with with chikrin um i've heard rumors and i don't know if they're legit um well i've heard chatter on twitter sorry not rumors but chatter yeah. of this what if possibility uh, because for whatever reason, Carl Vemelka's name has appeared oh, yeah. in trade rumors, and there's a speculation that he might go to, like, if if the Kings were to trade for Jake Chikrin, maybe right. they'd throw in Carol Vemelka as part of the deal, which is interesting because yeah. they're paying Cal Pearson a lot of money to be in the minors yeah. because uh, in year one of his three-year uh, $5 million AAV deal, he sucks. Yep. And Jonathan Quick is on an expiring contract, and he's not doing any better. And the guy who's supposed to be in the AHL, Phoenix Copley, is their number one guy. And they just um, signed so him. Just too. to add, just to add a bit of spice to it, if they added Vamelka in that trade, that would have been that would be pretty interesting too. Also, they signed. They they also just signed Phoenix Copley to a one year, one point five million contract. Exactly. Yeah. The, the day before that trade was supposedly going to happen. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know exactly who it was, but yeah, there was speculation that it was Vamelka. Was uh, might have been involved or something like that, but um, but yeah, it's uh, just a hypothetical name yeah. you could throw in there that LA might need. Yeah, but like uh, uh, Friedman also mentioned, which is kind of funny, and we we kind of figured this would happen through email exchanges that we were thinking like uh, because of this like like healthy scratch and because of this drama and news, we were thinking like oh, so this must mean that the Coyotes are like. Like, they're saying, like, okay, a trade is coming, 
like it was kind of a signal to other teams that like, hey, send us your offer because uh, Chikrin's about to be traded type of type of thing. And uh, that's apparently that did happen. Freeman mentioned that other teams are now more interested in um, and are planning on like spending more to us to get Chikrin now. Now that they know that it's like it's actually serious that that he's going to get traded. Um, also, according to uh, Andre Torney, who's the Coyotes coach, uh, he said that Chikrin is going to be healthy scratched until this all gets sorted out. So essentially. Uh, we've seen the last of Chikrin in an Arizona Coyotes jersey. Um, so, I mean, this is to be expected, but um, but it's also like, oh, I guess <laughs> this is pretty serious. So that means that, like, Chikrin is, you know, he could be out for a week or until the trade deadline, um, and he could just be out for, for a long time because it looks like there was just be a It'd be hilarious big, yeah. if he just doesn't get traded by the deadline yeah. and just drags in the offseason. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're keeping up the rest of the year. You know, he's done great for well, us, but I we assume, don't want to risk injury, so... I, I assume if he doesn't get traded uh, by the trade deadline and Torney uh, will backtrack and say, like, well, it looks like, you know, something happened and whatever, but I, I don't... That would just be so <laughs> awkward. It's just like... Hey, you're still here. Well, what the hell do we do well, now? <laughs> well, well, this is awkward. I mean, it's not that awkward considering. I mean, it's it's it probably was pretty awkward when he had requested a trade early on in the season. So it's like it's, I don't. And you also know. removed any mentions yeah. of the Coyotes on his Instagram yeah, page. And that that too, also yeah. happened before this. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But like, it was always like awkward even when he requested a trade. So it's like okay, um, but. Yeah, but we know where both the team and the players stand. Yeah. They both agree that it's not working. We yeah. need to find a trade partner. Well, and for the Coyotes that are already in a rebuilding stage, you need to make sure you get this right. So, yeah, take all the time you need. Be proactive. Right, right. See what's out there. Get yeah. the best deal. Maybe that did happen with Matt Duchesne. I feel like that might have. Or Jack Eichel. Well, Jack Eichel was injured, I am very but... curious to see what other offers were on the table for those guys. I am yeah. fascinated. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It will, I mean, we're going to do a future episode once that trade happens, of course. But, uh, yeah. Also, you said, like, it's it's not working out. But, like, I, I mean, we devoted a whole episode last week to that um, about how it, it is kind of working out for, for both of them. Because, uh, you know. Yeah, Chikrin temporarily is, it's working out. Long like, term is different. Like, 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 he's doing pretty well. But, if the, I mean, yeah. I guess it's not working out because the Coyotes are tanking and if he's still being pretty good while the the coyotes aren't necessarily um doing well then yeah i guess technically it's not working so out. to the trade bit well, of or the trade chat like, around chikrin yeah is that apparently uh names are being thrown around like brand clark or quinn byfield yeah. if one of them could be involved in the return for arizona Freeman has basically said the Kings are not interested in doing either of that. Right. So any pieces that are part of a Jacob Chikrin return probably don't involve those two players, in yeah. case you're wondering. Yeah, yeah, I think you had mentioned that. But I don't know. I don't like speculating too much about it. But, yeah, no. there was the, the there was speculation that uh, Brant Clark was going to be involved. So, um, okay. Um, the uh, – but – now we're going to talk about a trade that did happen, um, and um, kind of was a little bit shocking when when I first heard it because I was like, "Oh right, Tarasenko wanted out, and I guess he still wants out." 
Um, but yeah, so Tarasenko is going to New York, the Rangers, um, and uh, 50% of his contract gets retained. Um, he is, you know, he, he was making $7 million for one more year, so he would be a free agent. So this would be a rental, um, potentially, of course. Um, Nick, Nico Mikola is also going to the Rangers. I think it's Mikola. Um, he's also going to the Rangers. Uh, the St. Louis Blues get Sammy Blaze. Um, they get Hunter Skinner, who's like an AHL player, and um, a first round, uh, 2023 first round pick, a 2024 fourth round pick. Both of those picks are conditional. Uh, the first round pick in 2023 will be late, the later of the New York Rangers first and Dallas's 23 first. Um, and then for the fourth round pick, um, in 2024, if the Rangers make the playoffs in 2023, the fourth round pick becomes a third round pick in 2024. Um, so, yeah, um, this is a interesting deal because I, I, when I first heard, like, I feel like Tarasenko has, like, like Chikrin, it feels like uh, Tarasenko was going to be traded for a long time now, or like, you know, he, he was always on the market. So it was always it was kind of like oh right I forgot he was available but I was thinking like oh Tarasenko will probably like garner a little bit more than what they ended up getting. Um, it's interesting though because it's like Sammy Blaze was involved in the trade from sending uh, Buchnevich to the Blues, um, and I think there was like a second round pick involved, but like the second round pick was later traded to the Jets, I believe. Um, so it was just like a weird trade for them. And I'm sure the Rangers kind of regretted <laughs> that pick because, uh, Buchnevich is, is pretty good. Um, and they kind of want him back, but, uh, but yeah, Tarasenko, um, he's also doing, he had a, he had a nice, uh, season, um, for his last 38 games, um, on the blues. He had 29 points. Um, of course, he's not like he didn't have the season in 2021-22 where he had 82 points in 50, 75 games. Um, and like even like previously, he had like 40 goals in his first couple of years. Um, and he had a, he had a 39 goal season, 75 points in 82 games. Um, so that was his career year in 2016-2017. But, um, but yeah, he's still he's still pretty good. Uh, for the Rangers, so I thought, like, maybe that means that the Rangers are, like, you know, like, I felt like it was a bargain, because it's like, who knows about Sammy Blay, I feel like Sammy Blay could be decent, but it seems like he's more of, like, a bottom six guy, um, and, uh, but, uh, so I was just thinking, like, that's a little odd, um, especially when you're retaining some contract, you're adding Nico um, Mikola to the deal as well. So it's like, I feel like the Rangers are like the Rangers did kind of, uh, get a bargain for Tarasenko. But on the other hand, it's like the blues ripped, <laughs> ripped the Rangers off for the Buchnevich deal. So I, part of me wonders, I I'm sure either GM would never admit to this, but I kind of do wonder if there was like kind of a thing of like, Oh hey, so uh, so we kind of ripped you off on the Buchnevich deal. Uh, here's Tarasenko for essentially uh, for less than what he's worth because 
you did us a solid by getting us Buchnevich for less than what he ended up being. But um, so, so I do kind of wonder if there is that scenario. Um, it's also interesting because uh, I guess the Rangers just love Russians. Uh, of course, they have Panarin. Um, they have uh, Shesterkin and... Um, and then uh, Kraftsoff is also Russian, although he gets healthy scratched a lot. Um, so <laughs> they're 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 slowly becoming a Russian team. Although I mean, we'll we'll see how that goes because I expect Kraftsoff will probably be traded pretty soon. Um, but um, but yeah, it, it, and I guess I'm looking at these uh, these lines here. Doesn't seem like they're they're putting the two Russians on the same line. Which is fine, because uh, Tarasenko's with Kreider and Zabinijad, but Panarin's with Trocek and Jimmy Vc. Um, what's interesting though is um, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but uh, it probably was through email. But Alex, Alexi Lafreniere and Philip Hedl in particular, and, and Apokako, who are now on the third line, the kid line, as they called it in last year's playoffs, they're doing really, really well. Um, so. Um, yeah, I really like this move for, for the Rangers, because if you get, add a guy like uh, Vladimir Tarasenko to this mix, it's like, okay, the, the Rangers are, like, picking up pieces, um, and they're kind of, like, you know, picking up from what the Islanders did with the Bo Horvat trade, so it's like, okay, they're, they're, the Rangers are getting str stronger as well. And on that note, um, supposedly they, the Rangers were looking into Timo Meyer. And they were looking into Patrick Kane, but um, they felt like the Sharks were demanding more, um, which is fair because Timo Meyer, I would expect, would make more than Vlad, Vlad Tarasenko would. Um, and they also thought they were concerned about uh, Patrick Kane's ankle, or uh, sorry, his injury that that's happening. So, um, yeah, his hip is his hip. what's yeah. rumored to be yeah. the injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair enough. Um, so, so they're, uh, so they, they went with Tarasenko, um, instead, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's like, it's one of those moves. And I think that's like a following question for us. It's like who wins in the short term, who wins in the long term. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, this is one of those moves that I feel like the Rangers will win this in the short term. I mean, that's, that's the whole reason why they made this trade. Because uh, there, it was like a go for it, and Tarasenko's a free agent. But I could see them, the Rangers, winning out in the long term as well. Because yeah, they're giving up picks, but I, I don't expect those to be like. Because I, I, I would imagine the Rangers are going to make the playoffs in the next two years. So I could see that I don't think those picks will necessarily be in, in like high picks or in the top half of the draft. Um, and. And it's very possible that Tarasenko, if he gels with the team, they could sign him. Um, so so I, I guess a lot of it depends on if Tarasenko is signed um, next year for, for the Rangers. But but even you know, even still I think it, it's the Rangers definitely get the better hand of this um, compared to St. Louis. And what's also funny is uh, Sammy Blay, we, we talked a lot about this Buchnevich trade. Um, Sammy Blay um, was involved in the, um, the Buchnevich trade. So, um, so maybe, maybe it is like a, a sign of like, this is an extension of the Buchnevich trade as well, which would be kind of funny. 
Uh, so the thing with um, Tarasenko's future, I think part of it depends on whether or not the cap is going to go up because there's reports that it could be on the table still, that it goes up by a couple of million, but um, it, it, there's also a possibility it could be far less than that. Um, so that's a big unknown there. The other thing is Philip Keel is a restricted free agent. So is Alexis Lafreniere and so is Keandre Miller. And two years after this year, Shishkirkin's going to be a free agent. And you don't want to run out of money to pay him because that $5.666 million cap hit might seem pretty big now. If he continues to be a world beater, man, <laughs> it could be a lot, longer, a lot larger than just a slight bump to like $6 million or 6.5. He could be in... Vasilevsky territory easy yep uh, so that's one thing to uh consider um they also have young guys like Bobby Trevino in the system Brennan Othman uh in the system too so you don't want to really uh bind yourself too much to one guy so I think if they do keep Tarasenko um I could see maybe like a three-year deal but I don't expect to see anything extravagant to keep him on board especially considering currently he's 31 years old um but anyway that'll be a topic for the off season i think in the short term at the very least this is the best scenario they could have hoped for the injury concern with patrick kane i think was a bit of a turnoff and patrick kane already admitted uh after finding out that tarasenko was traded to the rangers that would be a place that was on his radar if he wanted to leave chicago yeah. and that's not happening it looks like so i think the Rangers have got their guy. Uh, maybe they do some things to add elsewhere, but I think for the most part, their top six winger, they've got that sorted out. The one thing that I think Vladimir Tarasenko provides to the lineup is a bit of certainty uh, because part of the talking points and part of the Knox and Jorah Gallant uh, towards various stages of the season was he's changing his lines too much. Like, you, you look yep. at the top six and the top nine and he's juggling things around you know every time the offense has a bad game um you need a consistent power play threat which tarasenko is he's a pp1 type of guy that you can slot in there and you can just score goals and i think a goal scorer outside of mika's banjad outside of a chris Kreider, is something that the rangers could definitely use and while philip keel to an extent has done that and a couple of guys on the back end have also uh, pulled their weight as well I definitely think a marksman on the power play is that missing link that they needed. And having an additional arm there is definitely going to help. Um, so hopefully you get some certainty in terms of the power play. You get some certainty on the top six. Um, you need good chemistry with Artemi Panarin. And I think um, that's part of the reason why Patrick Kane was so appealing to the Rangers. But back when I think it was uh, the case in 2019 when Panarin was a free agent... Um, I, I heard, um, I think it was the 32 Thoughts podcast, that uh, Vladimir Tarasenko was kind of pushing for the Blues to lay in Panarin. Right. So oh, interesting. Panarin's a guy that, that Tarasenko could, uh, could have a desire playing with. Right now, Tarasenko's on the first line, Panarin's on the second line. But as you know, the lineups could change, and uh, they also test out that play. combination a bit as well. Also, power play um, one, I think yeah. they're both on power play one, so... Yeah, so so that'll be a good indicator too. But in five on five situations and yeah. everyday situations, uh, that'll be the talking point. But uh, starting off on the power play, that's definitely a good start. Yep. And I, I think the consistent offense is what the Rangers were 
lacking in at times. And especially you're going into the playoffs and you know you're probably going to get a very good matchup right off the bat. You need to make sure that your top six can hang, that it can be consistent enough because you can't rely on Igor Shizurkin to save everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't rely on the 3-1 deficit against the Penguins to just evaporate and for your offense to come alive. It's just not going to do it. You need those unsung heroes to take charge and you need those snipers to shoot yep. and score and definitely adding Tarasenko to that mix is um is a huge benefactor so I think short term easily the Rangers are are going to, to to benefit from this trade in the long term if they can get him signed uh I'm not really sure what a contract for Tarasenko would look like uh I guess you could say never say never but I mean, there are a lot of other assets that uh, the Rangers could potentially chase in the offseason. If not Tarasenko, then it could be somebody else. So uh, um, I guess ultimately it depends on how the rest of their season plays out and what Tarasenko is capable of doing in that stretch. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, but uh, so I was just looking to see uh, how how good Lafreniere was doing because uh, I was like, I felt like I butchered that. Uh, I know Kittle's been doing very well. Yeah, yeah. So, so what I did was I, so I looked and I found that uh, Lafreniere has eight points in his last eight games. Um, There's only Not one bad. game in that span that he didn't have a point, so that's really doing well. But then what I did was I pulled up the Rangers roster and I found what the stats are for the Rangers in the last eight games. Uh, so yeah, you're right that Philip Edel has nine nine points. Um, in eight games, and uh, Heedle and Lafreniere have good chemistry together. Um, Kako is also has eight points in his last eight games as well, because that makes sense, because they're all on the same line. But what was impressive to me, uh, Panarin has 12 points in his last eight games. Uh, I know that he had like four goals um, in one game, uh, which was yep. which was crazy, because he's not really Against known. a very good team as well. Yeah. It wasn't like a bottom feed. Yeah. It was against Carolina, too. Yeah, and he, he's not, like, well, well, it's even more surprising. It's like, yeah, I could see, like, uh, David Pasternak doing that, even, like, Connor McDavid now that he's a goal scorer now. Um, it's just, uh, like, I could see that happening from those types of players. And it's not to say that Panarin's a bad player, but, like, he's more known for his playmaking skills and... and um, yep. and all that stuff but yeah just just the fact that he had four four goals and five and five shots on goal against Carolina like you're saying which is a very good team so I was just like wait a second what <laughs> how, did, how did that happen but yeah so so it was crazy about that but um but when you were mentioning like oh the Rangers are struggling to score it's just like are you sure like have you checked out this team in the last last eight games um but like that just signifies to me it's like that the Rangers, like they need Lafreniere and Kako and Heedle to to do well. Like, yeah, like, even though they should probably be on the second line by now, um, but but yeah, if if you at the same time, if you're if that's your third line, that's probably one of the best third lines in the league. I would have to like look at all the other third lines because I I don't know them on the top of my head, believe it or not. But um, but that, that's pretty good. So I, I I guess it's just one of those things where you're thinking like, oh wow, like that's um, like you know they're do, they're doing really well even like they have guys that are just picking it up slowly and but surely. Um, Ke Andre Miller has also been having a pretty good season 
as well, I wanted to shout him out. Uh, he has 29 points in 53 games, but he's he's been recently pretty good too. Uh, but uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack a bit in terms of my statement there. Um, I, I feel, I guess, mo- I feel like maybe the Rangers are too one-dimensional. Like on the power play, for example, Chris Kreider, 16 minutes, 27 goals yep. on the power play. Who's getting who's getting the puck on the power play yep. to score? Probably Chris Kreider because right. he's got an absorbent amount of power play goals. Yep. Trocheck has eight play goals and you got a couple other guys that have multi-power play goals as well on the year and then once you get past uh, jacob truba it's one from adam fox one for barkley goudreau and zeros for everybody else and you look at the game winners and you got like nine players with at least two game winners that's pretty good like they're a score by committee type of team but i just don't feel like they have enough of those trademark marksmen um that you know kind of like invokes fear on those team on on the opposition side and that I feel like those are the guys that opens the door for everyone else to do their thing. And I think for the Rangers, they needed that going into the playoffs. They needed that extra piece. And I think Tarasenko is that. Yeah, that's fair. I guess you, you expect more out of Trocek. You expect more out of Chris Kreider. But but I, I, I guess I'm just like, I'm more excited about Lafreniere, Kako, and Tietl. Um, But yeah, I guess that's, that's totally fair. And like, we didn't even mention that Zabinijad um, has nine points in eight games as well. He has the same yeah. he has the same scoring line as uh, Heedle has right now. So, um, in fact, they both have seven goals and two assists in the last eight games, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But yeah, no, I, I guess that's fair. But I I, I don't know. I, I think that like the fact that like when your third line is doing so well, it's like oh okay, they they might not have as big of an issue but yeah i do see your point um let's let's talk about the blues for a second though um you know it was i was kind of wondering why they did this trade now because like tarasenko there was reports that tarasenko was angry at the management for how they handled his uh his injury a few seasons back and then um and then he had a pretty good year last year but i guess he still wanted to be traded um, and he was also supposedly angry that they made Ryan O'Reilly a captain um, after he had been on the team for a lot longer than Ryan O'Reilly had been. So he was just angry about that. Um, but then I'm like looking here, I'm like seeing that like, oh, Kairou has 51 points in 50 games. Puchnevich has 42 points in 40 games. Um, so it's like, okay, they can afford to trade. Like they're, they're pretty good in right wing depth. I mean, sure, Ivan Barbashev is on your third line, and we'll see how he's having a disappointing season compared to what he was having last year. But you're just thinking, like, okay, maybe maybe there is, like, you know, they can afford to do this. But even still, it's like, I, I, I guess, like, the Blues are kind of out of it in the playoffs structure. Um, so it's just, it was just more of, like, a weird signifier of... Um, I, oh, I, actually, okay, I take that back. They are eight points behind the Minnesota Wild with 61 points. Um, the Colorado Avalanche, who are the third seed right now in the Central, they also have 61 points. So that, uh, the Blues have 53 points. Um, they'd also have to beat out Nashville and Calgary um, to uh, compete with that last wild card spot. Um, it looks like Edmonton has a a decent run um, at that first wild card spot. He had, they have 65 points. So, 
So I guess there is some potential where Edmonton, um, Seattle is now losing some games, so uh, they have 66 points. So I guess it's possible that the Blues could make the playoffs, but it definitely doesn't help that they don't have Tarasenko um, in their lineup. So I, I do wonder if like this is like a signifier of the Blues are being like, you know what, let's this isn't our year. Let's um, let's just trade some of our assets that aren't going to help us now, and and focus on the future. Um, so so I am now curious to see if the Blues have any more moves that are like that. Um, I guess Ryan O'Reilly could be traded. He's a UFA this year. Uh, Barbashev's another UFA, although he's pretty. He's I mean he's twenty seven years old. He's pretty young. Um, Tyler Tucker is the defenseman. He's the only real uh, defenseman that they have as a free agent. They just got Sammy Blay. Uh, they could trade Nola Chari. I'm sure he could uh, benefit from from that. It would be funny if uh, the Bruins uh, traded for him because he was a former Bruin. Um, and uh, a big reason, like, famously, he was tripped um, in the, the 2019 Stanley Cup Finals, and I'm not forgetting about that. Um, by the Blues. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so that would be funny if, uh, if the, the Bruins do pick him back up. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I could maybe see, like, Ryan O'Reilly, he might, he might be going. Um, but, uh, it could be a similar situation with, uh, Jonathan Taze, where it's like, he, yeah, he has the pedigree, of course, in the playoffs, but he's not having a great year. He has 18 points in 39 games, so it's like, okay, Will teams actually want him? I'm sure they will, but I, I am curious to see if, um, like, yeah, I wonder if he starts to go. Yeah, so the Blues are a very interesting case to unpack uh, because Ryan O'Reilly is also a free agent, um, as you mentioned, Ivan Barbashev. Um, but here are the only Fords under contract for next season. Nathan Walker, whose cap hit is $775,000, a drop in the bucket. Mm. Nothing too crazy on the cap hit. Braden Shen, at $6.5 million, his cap hit goes into the end of the 2027-28 season. So you have five more years left of him after this one. You have two years left of Bichnevich at $5.8 million. Then you have uh, the Brandon Saad contract with three years left at $4.5 million. And then next year, the new contracts for Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas kick in. Both are $8.125 million cap hits. So they got cap space to spend everywhere else outside of those guys. But to those five guys, they got a lot of money committed to them. And also Nathan Walker, who you mentioned, is there. He's under contract for next season. Then after that, he becomes a free agent. They don't have any notable RFAs per se uh, that really stick out to me. The other problem, however, is their defense because they also have a lot of term committed to their defense. Four years left of Justin Falk at $6.5 million. Same thing with Tory Krug, your boy. A $6.5 million cap hit for Colton Pareko. He just started year one of an eight-year deal. So that contract ain't ending soon. And Nick Letty, three years left at $4 million. And then, of course, in goal, you have a $6 million cap hit over the next four years to everyone's favorite goaltender, Jordan Bennington. Right. <laughs> and also Thomas Grice, who is uh, a free agent after the season. So you're going to have to find up a backup goalie, too. 
so it's an interesting web that Doug Armstrong has weaved, and this could be a clever Houdini magician's act where uh, where Doug Armstrong is able to get himself out of this mess and retool over the course of a year or two, and the Blues bounce back, and they're, you know, everyone's, you know, team to be feared in the Western Conference, like one of those dark horse teams you don't want to mess with in the playoffs. However, we've seen this act before in San Jose, where they had one bad year, they made a couple of tankers with the roster, then they were back to being their former selves for a couple of years, and then the bottom fell out. I'm starting to wonder if the bottom is about to fall out on the Blues, and I'm not really sure I can say that until I see what this team looks like within the next year or so. But Doug Armstrong has options. Next year, or heading into July, he could go out and get some big-name free agents if he really wanted to. And not keeping Ryan O'Reilly and not keeping Ivan Barbashev gives him more cap space to weaponize to get guys that he thinks can help the team down the road. But if the guys that he is committed to aren't able to keep pace with everything and adjust and adapt, then you got yourself into a very sticky situation that's even tougher to get out of. So it's largely up to Dark Armstrong to fix what the heck is going on with this team. But if the issue is bigger than, you know, finding cast space to, you know, rejig these couple of roster spots and the problem is in the locker room and the guys in the locker room aren't getting it done, the guys that you've committed to, particularly Bennington in Nets, the, the Blues are screwed. We don't know it yet, but they could be screwed. Uh, and it's up to Dark Armstrong to, to right the ship and the trade deadline is definitely going to be the first uh, step in, in that direction. Hopefully, if you're a Blues fan, it goes well. Um, and, and as I said a couple weeks ago, the Blues are the team to watch at this year's trade deadline because what they do this year's trade deadline could set up for their future success slash failure. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I guess I didn't really consider their cap situation, but no, that, that makes some, some sense. I, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, at this point, I'd be surprised if the Blues make it to the playoffs, but... Um, you never really know. I think in their in their best interest, they're better off not doing it. Like yeah. their offense has been good, but their defensive inconsistencies have cost yeah. them one too many times. And I think part of the changes that our Doug Armstrong's gonna have to make is the coaching staff because I don't know if the coaching staff is up to par either. And yeah. I've said it a couple weeks ago, and we'll continue to say it. I don't think Craig Berube is the answer anymore. Yeah, that that's definitely possible. Uh, according to Money Puck which gives out playoff odds, they have a 4.2% yeah. chance of making the playoffs. So <laughs> so better than Ottawa, yeah. but it should be noted that four of their guys have a, have a plus minus of at least minus Actually, 20. It's funny. And uh, those guys are Tory Krug, Ryan O'Reilly, Braden Shen, and Jordan Cairo. It's funny you mention better than Ottawa because not according to Money Puck. They have, uh, Ottawa has 13.9% of making the playoffs. So That division? Wow. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's actually crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think they're probably taking into consideration the injuries uh, or the wild and spot, also the maybe. strength of the schedule. Ottawa yeah. might have a better luck on that front that's than St. True. Louis yeah. does as well. That that could be another yeah, one. St. Louis is. I mean, this the Atlantic Division is pretty tough, but yeah, I guess the Central and the yeah, Metro I, is even tougher. Yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but like the Central is probably pretty tough too, or is tougher than the Atlantic, I would imagine. But yeah. Yeah, um, if if you look at point totals, um, the first four 
one, two, three, four, five. The first five are Eastern Conference teams. Then you have Dallas and Winnipeg yep. as the first two Western Conference teams in the top ten. They're six and eighth, respectively. And then you have a couple of Pacific Division teams in Vegas and L.A. Yeah. rounding out the top ten. In I also believe... Points. Oh, okay. Also, uh, Toy Krug sustained an upper body injury last night, too. So that might have something oh. to do with it, too. Oh, oh. So he was back and... And then, it, and then he's not okay. Well, that yeah, he did that really sw- hurts them. <laughs> he did get an assist last night, but yeah, he um, it looks like he reacted. A little consolation if he's out the next however many games. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, I guess I guess never say never because after Winnipeg, which is right. the eighth best team, the next best Central Division team that appears is Minnesota, and they're at fifteenth. Right. Um, and there is an eight point difference there. So I guess. Again, like you said, never say never. Minnesota could kind of yep. fall off depending on what they do at the trade deadline as well. But, I mean, I feel like Minnesota's inconsistencies are far less alarming than St. Louis. So, yep. I think St. Louis – I would say I would say Nashville has a better shot of St. Louis making the playoffs because they have UC Saros who can just carry the team by himself. Yeah. It's funny to say, like, never say never because, like, the biggest example of that was the St. Louis Blues, who were dead last in January, and then they, of course, they go on yeah. and win the Stanley Also, the Hamburglar run, never forget. But and the yeah, Hamburglar run is another one. The, but, the St. Yeah. Louis is the ultimate comeback. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, um, unfortunately for my team. But, yes, you're right. Um, I guess it is a comeback story. Um that will never live down and wasn't a fluke whatsoever. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, I guess that about does it here, unless you have any more thoughts on this trade. Um, um, I, I, I'm interested to see how it, um, how it impacts um, the other markets, because, yeah. as we mentioned, Patrick Kane as well. But now, all of a sudden, who's in on you know a guy like uh, Timo Meyer? Right. Um, there's also speculation uh, on the 32 Thoughts edition uh, this past Saturday that Brock Besser could be traded, but teams want to see where Meyer lands first. So it, I feel like there's this logjam in terms of the pieces and where they all fall. Like we've seen a couple of pieces fall, but it's not been this tidal wave. Like we still don't know what's happened with David Pasternak, even though I said by the start of the podcast he was going to be signed i still think it's going to happen but it hasn't happened yet we don't know what's going to happen with dylan larkin we don't know what's happened with timo meyer or jacob chicken at the time of this recording right now yep everything is going to happen like within the next couple of weeks it's all going to happen simultaneously so once we get that one big move that starts the chain of command for everything else to happen things are going to happen fast and furious and i feel like the tarasenko trade uh, is going to set the stage for what happens next because I feel like Tarasenko was the perfect rental, a guy that you didn't really have to overpay for as much as a guy like Timo Meyer. But now that Tarasenko is gone and now that Bo Horvat went before him, all of a sudden your options of like high-end players at bargain prices has gone down. So more likely people are going to be calling on the big fish to say, hey, um, what do you want for player X? And they're just going to be like, well, it's going to cost you X, Y, Z, a couple of draft picks, uh, depending on the name, of course. Uh, there's also the chatter with uh, supposedly Edmonton and San Jose on maybe an Eric Carlson trade, which would be very complex to pull off. But I definitely think it could happen. 
Um, it all depends on just how the money thing shapes out. But um, I, I think the Tarasenko deal, while we haven't seen it yet, is a precursor of what's going to happen. Uh, and uh, Patrick Kane, in terms of bargain prices, is probably going to be the best option available. And I think that decision is probably going to come yeah. closer to the trade deadline because I think the better options, um, not to say Patrick Kane is washed, but I think there are better options out there besides Patrick Kane. And I think those will happen first uh, before Patrick Kane is moved. So yeah. um, I think in the grand scheme of things, we haven't seen it yet, but Tarasenko is a precursor of what's to come. Yeah, yeah. I mean, by the way, I, I guess going to that Patrick Kane comment, um, yeah, he because as you mentioned that, well, first off, because like, we talked about this last week of how like there were teams that were concerned about Patrick Kane and... Uh, so, so you were right on that hypothesis because you were suggesting that maybe Patrick Kane like takes the year off or you know signs a one year deal with Chicago and and does it again uh, next year and tries to like you know get yeah, healthy. From what I heard from the thirty two thoughts, that was a thought that was yeah. being tossed around. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but you had suggested that. Are you saying that you? Did you hear uh, that? From... I don't want to take away like Elliot Friedman. Like uh, I heard it from him, so I'm just saying. Oh, hey, oh. I got it from Friedman, so I'm you, giving him credit. You shouldn't have said that because I I was giving you credit. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyway, I don't want to rob the professionals here. I don't want to get sued by them. It's like, hey, well, how, how would you get sued here? Um, but um, I don't know. They probably don't even know where a podcast exists. That's what I mean. Yeah, how would you get sued? Uh, they don't care. Anyway. Um, but um, the, anyway, I heard it. Bottom line. Okay, fa it. fair enough. Um, yeah, you, it's out in the air. Uh, but uh, but yeah, there was that, and then you were like, I I heard another suggestion from another podcast. I guess I'll reference another podcast here, Puck Soup. Um, that's with uh, Down Goes Brown and uh, Ryan Lambert, um, who who does work for uh, EP Ringside Elite Prospects. Uh, but uh, they were saying that, like, if you're Patrick Kane or if you're Jonathan Taze, you should, um, you know, like, necessarily it's like, like, yeah, they don't owe the team anything. Um, and, that, you know, there's been reports that Taze was angry and, and both um, Taze and Kane were angry about the recent trades that they've done. But you also, like, don't want to uh, like necessary like you know you don't necessarily want to like trade either one for a third round pick uh just to trade them out um so so it's like if they remove their trade clause like they're they're doing it like yeah they don't have any responsibility to do this out of the kindness of their heart i get that um but they also like I feel like that's also kind of demoralizing too, where it's like, okay, I move my no movement clause, and all 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 the I'm I'm basically worth a third round pick. Um, not to mention, I feel like uh, Kyle Davidson is kind of in a tricky situation here because um, if they trade them for practically nothing, then um, then that'll be like more like you know because the reason why they traded to bring cat for practically nothing they traded dak for practically nothing they're gonna get killed for that but if they don't trade them at all 
they're also going to get killed for that too. Um, so it's just, it's one of those things where you're going to have to see, uh, like, it, it's very possible that the Blackhawks might not trade them at all um, because, it, first off, you know, Kane and Taze might not even want to be traded to begin with. They could just rather be free agents. Um, and, and as you're mentioning, the injury situation and things like that. But um, but also, uh, Patrick Kane said in the interview that uh, he referenced with uh, the injury, he was saying how... Um, he does like Chicago and he wants, he does want Chicago, or he, he does want Chicago to get something out of this package deal. So he doesn't want to necessarily move his no movement clause because of um, his responsibility to Chicago. So, um, so I thought that was like a nice gesture of like, you know, he, he feels like Chicago like gave him his start and gave him or gave him his opportunity, of course. Um, I mean, he was the first overall pick. He, he, he would have opportunity anywhere. But um, just the fact that, like, he, he felt like, you know, that they they owe him something um, was kind of, like, interesting. So it's like, okay, so maybe there is a potential that Taze and Kane's... Taze and Kane's? Taze and Kane aren't getting traded uh, just from like the personality stuff, but I feel like they're in a tricky situation there because, like I mentioned, they they want to make sure that it's the right trade. Yeah, um, just to quickly give you an update on the St. Louis Blues and what they did in 2017, because this was the retooling I was talking about, and two years later they won the Stanley Cup. Yep. So they traded Phoenix Copley and Kevin Shattenkirk to the Capitals. Uh, it, part of that return, they got Zach Sanford, who turned mm-hmm. out to be a, a key bottom six yeah. guy for them uh, during their run to the playoffs uh, in 2019. Yeah. They got a 2017 first-round pick that turned into Morgan Frost, and you might think, well, Morgan Frost is a Philadelphia Flyer. How did that happen? Well, they traded that first to Philadelphia, you see, and who did they get as part of that return? Braden Shen. Oh, wow. Uh, so indirectly, they got uh, Braden Shen as part of that return. Uh, and that was uh, a couple of months uh, after the trade deadline. Um, so I, I, when I look at those big trades, like you're looking for assets to potentially utilize as part of future returns. So like if they get a first round pick from the Rangers who says they keep it, they could trade it to get a piece that uh, maybe they otherwise uh, couldn't acquire as well. And that was also the year of the Vegas expansion draft. So there were a couple of right. other things that uh, they had to do. They also got uh, Oscar Sunquist uh, from uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. That was part of the Ryan Reeves deal. We traded mm. the first round pick for Ryan Reeves. Everyone remembers. And then shortly after that, as I mentioned, the Braden Shen uh, trade happened. Yep. So it's not like the St. Louis Blues uh, blew the roof off the joint uh, to the trade deadline. But there were a couple of minor... Yep assets that they were able to get acquired in that Kevin Shattenkirk trade that they were used to get pieces of their lineup that led them to future success later. And that's the type of wheeling and dealing that I expect Doug Armstrong to make, thinking that he probably still has a chance at getting this team back in the playoffs, being a consistent playoff performer again. But it's going to come at the cost of some you know, big name faces that have been a part of the team for years and been through a lot of ups and downs with that team. And obviously, you know, fans are going to be heartbroken and disappointed, but in Doug Armstrong's eyes, 
probably the moves that he makes, he probably feels are going to benefit the team down the road. So I'm interested to see what happens. So I just yeah. wanted to provide context to what he did in 2017 that led to what happened in 2019. Right. And to be clear... Uh, his trades and his offseason moves leading up to that almost backfired. So, right, right, yeah. Um, it, it, it might not bail him out this time, but we'll see. Yeah, Braden Shane, I mean, obviously he's he's a good player um, and helped with that team. Even, like, when he mentioned Zach Fan- Sanford, I was just like, uh. <laughs> just like, uh flashbacks yeah, again. Yeah, he's another oh. one where he had such a great finals appearance and then and yeah now he's he's never heard from again um i believe he he was on the senators for a time too but um, yeah for a hot minute he was with the ottawa senators and then he found his way on the winnipeg jets and just taking a look at brayden shen's numbers i feel like he's been an underrated player for the blues i don't think he gets enough credit yeah no he he just becomes that offensive afterthought it should also be noted and it's it's a secondary question uh, Ryan O'Reilly is your captain. Uh, so speaking of captains and Tarasenko being kind of miffed that he wasn't named captain mm-hmm. uh, because of like seniority reason, allegedly. Um, who's going to be the captain if they trade Ryan O'Reilly? Uh, um, I know Brayden Chen is an assistant. I know Colton Pareko is an assistant yeah. captain. But can't really think of anyone that sticks out to me and screams captain material on yeah, the blue. Yeah, I mean, Brayden Chen or... Uh, those do stand out, but I could see. Um, I know he's he's still pretty young, but Robert Thomas is one. The other one that Robert I Thomas, I feel like um, could be a kind of a wild card would be like Tory Krug, uh, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's uh, yeah I could or Justin Falk. Um, it's another. Or one, maybe they but. just uh, do what's uh, become sort yeah. of commonplace in the league and just go without a captain for a year and see who emerges as the yeah, leader on that, that team. They could the, do that. That'll probably be what they do. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I could see that happening. But um, but yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you're, who are the assistants you said? Braden Shen and who was the other one? Uh, Braden Shen and Colton Pareko oh, in Pareko. terms of assistants uh, yeah, listed Pareko. on Cap Friendly's page for the Blues. Okay. Uh, there's them and then there's O'Reilly, who's the captain. Right, 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 right. Okay, yeah, Pareko's another one. Yeah, I could see that too. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't usually, I feel like every team does the captain stuff differently, so it's it's hard to really know. But uh, Yeah, I mean, there are some wild card captains, yeah. like Price Salvador was the captain of the Devils for oh, yeah, a yeah. time. Everyone remember, everyone forgets. Oh, John yeah, he Moore. was the captain. Same with Andy Green in New Jersey, too. Yeah, wasn't John Moore a captain for New Jersey as well? Or is that... I think he was an assistant, but uh, I don't think he was ever a captain. Though. I thought he was a captain for some reason. But okay, you might that I might have been I might be thinking Not that of, I remember though. I might be thinking of the other two that you were just saying. But um anyways, that's about it for us here at uh Lace 'em Up. You can follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace 'em Up. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Pocket Cast, wherever else you get your podcast. Uh, that's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 353 of the Lace Up Podcast. We'll probably get some chicken news too. So, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. <Bye. laughs>